What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasparin. This is Frank Pelican. You're listening to the Quick Cage. Frank, what movie are you going to cover tonight? Uh, tonight we're going to discuss the action epic helmed by John Woo, Face Off, mm. um, starring uh, along with Mr. Cage, uh, John Travolta, and um, what's her name? Nancy Allen, something Allen. I can't remember. Joan Allen. Joe Allen, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I just watched this movie last night, so that should tell yeah. you. Who else is in that? Uh, Gina, uh, Gina Gershon? Yeah. Uh, a bunch of other, like, 90s B-list, like, character actors. Holy, yeah, holy shit. Like, oh, uh, um, CCH, CCH Pounder is in it, and uh, the guy that played Bunny. Yeah, and, Robert, uh, Robert Wisdom's in it. Uh, yeah. Margaret yeah. Cho's in it. Tom, yeah, Tom, Tom Jane's in it. Um, I right, I don't know who Tom Dean was. Burke, Burke Hicks is the character's name. Oh, right, right. Oh, he doesn't look at all like himself. Yeah, he's a um, he's a minor criminal in the maximum security uh, oil rig prison that yeah. Nicholas Cage is put in. I'm sorry, Sean Archer is put in when his face is swapped with right. Caster uh, Caster Troy's. Um, yeah. so, John Carroll Lynch is in it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's filled with people. Part. Danny Masterson's in it, right? Well, Danny Masterson's in it for forty-two seconds. Sure. Danny Masterson plays a horny um, teenager trying to molest John Travolta's daughter, who's then gets the shit kicked out of him by Nicolas Cage as John Travolta. Well, mean John Travolta, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how to talk about this movie like accurately, so right. face swap John Travolta, I guess. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. it's face off, you know. I've seen this is like maybe the fourth time. Let's I've do it. Let's it. just do it in the most complicated way possible. <laughs> Let's that's, just... what I'm, that's what I'm trying. Oh, okay. Trying. I'm trying my best. I think face swap. Let's see, but that doesn't make any sense. I'd have to really talk about the characters to truly describe it. So, you know, Caster Pollux, Caster Pop, Caster Troy, Caster Troy, pa- Pollux Troy, and Caster Troy. Right. Nicholas Cage is Caster Troy. Yes. Pollux Troy is Caster Troy's mildly autistic, but also kind of evil brother, uh-huh. um, who's like a uh, savant with electronics and explosives and whatnot but is like socially awkward and i don't know that's really all they give him like there's not much character development there there's not much character development anywhere in this movie really mm-hmm. um nicholas cage as caster troy who is then john travolta as face swapped caster troy really likes butts that's his thing he likes ladies butts right he likes to grab ladies' butts and mm-hmm. make ridiculous faces. Mm-hmm. 
one of the one of the most meme worthy Nicolas Cage faces comes from this movie. It does. In the beginning, when he's masquerading as a priest for absolutely no reason, mm-hmm. and he goes behind a choir girl in the middle of a large choir practice and grabs her ass while singing Hallelujah and throws his head back and makes his O face, I guess. But it's like, I had forgotten about that scene in this movie until I just watched it. And I've seen that picture, like when I draw Nicolas Cage, like I see that picture all the time in photo reference. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what like weird Nicolas Cage priest vampire movie have I been missing? But it's just face off. So, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. This is a movie that I always think I like, but then I don't when I watch it. I guess that's my review. <laughs> okay, we're wrapped up 1997 Nick Cage movies. Right. <clears throat> No, it's like, I wanted to like this movie so much when I saw it in the theater as a kid, because I love John Woo, and I was super, like, excited about Nick Cage being in this John Woo movie, and John Travolta, too, so this is, like, just a couple years past, you know, leaving Las Vegas, and um, Pulp Fiction, and mm-hmm. Red Rock West, like, all these movies that these guys have been um, that you're like, oh, yeah, like, this is going to be awesome. John Woo's amazing. And it's just, like, the worst combination of everything. Right. And I still firmly believe, and I don't want to sound, like, xenophobic when I say this, but I think that directors should really try just to direct in their native language. Like, I think something is lost in translation, especially with a director that's got, like, a really strong vision for something. When they try to translate to their direction to someone that doesn't speak their native tongue. Like, you look at, like, Chow Yun-Fat and Tony Leung, right? In, mm-hmm. like, Hard Boiled and the Killer. Right. Brilliant performances. And really, like, subtle in their characterization, you know? There's depth to those characters. And then you look at, like, Travolta and Pulp Fiction, or you look at Cage, and, you know, I'll, I'll use Red Rock West, because I think that's maybe his best movie from, like, around this time period. Really nuanced characters, you know what I mean? I mean... Mm-hmm. Vinny Vega is not necessarily nuanced, but it's a it's a rich character, you know. Like there's yeah. same there's thing with Chili, Chili Palmer is a rich character too, even though there's not right. a lot of depth. That's, that's, yeah. that's a great example. There's characterization to it. There's warmth in those characters. Like there's yeah. life. They're not just like caricatures. They're actual, you know, to fucking steal a line from um, the Wolf. You know, just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character, right? Right. So yeah. like. But then you watch something like Guillermo del Toro. His Spanish language movies are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, friggin' uh, Devil's Backbone is sure, one of the sure. best like modern ghost movies. I mean, maybe the best like in terms of its like emotional depth or whatever. But then you watch something like Hellboy, and it's like fucking watching I don't know, like like a cartoon, but not a good one. You know, like some like old Saturday morning shit. Like they just can't. And I don't know what that is. I mean, maybe they just can't, like, express, like, this is what I want you to emote. And the actor doesn't get it. And so they just go over the top or something. I don't know. Well, then I think you see, like, at times, like, I'm thinking about, um, oh, Jesus. Um, my mind is off today. The the movie by Mark Caro and his part- directing partner um, that is not Delicatessen. Amelie? No. Say so You Lost Children? Say so You Lost Children. You see how it's done, like, in ways when they cast Ron Perlman, who ends up, like, learning some of the language 
when he does that role, but he still isn't fluent in it. And it's like, it's almost like they purposely cast this kind of like brawny American, almost like right. purposely because like he doesn't, he needs to be lost. He needs to not understand necessarily everything that's going on. Sure. Um, and it's like that can be done to good effect. So just as kind of like a counterexample, I think I, I see what you mean in the sense of like, like the directors like uh, are doing this unintentionally and not being able to direct the actor sometimes, um, you know, and I think in the case like that, it's like they use that as a strategy to make sure that this does seem like an other type being um, in that movie, I think. Yeah. Um, by casting someone that doesn't speak the language and it's strategic at that point. Yeah, it's a really um, good example. And I, I think that um, I'm trying to I'm trying to say that even further from the xenophobic um, <laughs> claim that it could be hurled at it. Um, and you know, and it's because so yeah, I think Wu's a good director of actors, but yeah, I think you're right. I think it has to be in his native language. I think a lot of people are like that. Yeah. Um, so I think we have evidence that they're good directors of actors, unlike somebody say like George Lucas, um, who even in his own native language isn't a very good director of actors. Um, they're certainly good in their native language. Oh, but right, it seems, right. it seems sure. like there's something lost in translation. Um, yeah, like literally um, when it comes to some of these foreign directors. I mean, so face off, just to briefly summarize, if you've never seen it, like 15 minutes into the podcast. Um, Face Off is about there's this criminal organization led by the Nick Cage character Caster Troy, who's a sociopathic, megalomaniacal arms dealer slash assassin, whatever. He's going to blow up the LA Coliseum for no reason. Like, there's no bribe or anything involved. He's just going to do it. And John Travolta is Sean Archer, who is a by-the-book, red-blooded American agent for some sort of organization. Like, I don't think it ever says, like, what he works for. But let's say, like, it's the FBI, because that's fine. Um, whose son was murdered by Castor Troy in a failed assassination attempt of him like six years previously and now he's devoted his whole life to bringing Castor Troy down um so he does like 30 minutes into the movie 20 minutes into the movie but in doing so Castor Troy slips into a coma but then they find out there's a bomb but they don't know how to defuse the bomb so there's an idea that's come up with but from Bunny from the Wire where Sean Archer switches faces with Castor Troy so he can infiltrate Castor Troy's mob by getting to his brother and figure out what the bomb is. And then Castor Troy wakes up and takes Sean Archer's face and murders all of Sean Archer's friends who are the only ones that know about the face swap. And then there's a movie after that too. And it's real fucking long. Like it feels like three times as long as it actually is. It's not a good movie. And it's ridiculous. And it's John Woo at his most, like, Bruckheimer worst. But, like, it really feels like Michael Bay is directing the movie. Mm. It doesn't feel like... And there's a couple scenes where they do, like, the gunfu, like, slide under the camera, shoot their guns, like, akimbo or whatever. Um, yeah. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So, so okay, so we have the issue of, like, the, the lack of depth of characters. Um, what else is 
an issue with it. Like, first of all, why do you think you're going to like it? When I don't know, because I convinced myself I liked it when I was in 18 or whatever. How many times have you seen it now? I think this was the fourth. And all <laughs> like, so I'm saying, why do you always continually think you're going to like it? Oh, this might be the fifth. I saw it in the theater the night he came out. I'm almost positive I might have. I saw it in the theater again later on in its run with some other people who hadn't seen it. I definitely own this video on DVD, so I watched it when I got it. So probably like early 2000s. Then when I was watching it last night, Frankie was like, yeah, we've watched this together before. So sometime, he thinks like 10 years ago, I watched this movie with him. And then now, this time, but full disclosure, I couldn't finish it this time. So I got to a point and I just stopped because I've seen it. Like, I don't, I don't need to see it anymore. <clears throat> so. And I hate okay. the ending. Like, the whole boat chase. Like, ninja fight on the, the beach where John Travolta, evil Nick, evil Sean Archer, so face swap John Travolta. Um, is mutilating his own face or whatever. I don't know. And then there's this whole like fucking do sex machina where Gina Gershon, who's Nicolas Cage's, who's Castor Troy's girlfriend, has a kid and it's Castor Troy's kid, but she wants to live a good life and she doesn't want the son to know that this is her father. But then when she meets face swap John Travolta as Castor Troy, she sees like a heart in him and then. They, she kind of falls in love with them, so she gives her kid to him, and she's dying, and he just raises it. Like, he just, like, takes his kid, and now it's his kid to replace his dead kid, because they're the same age. Uh, so why, uh, do you, why do you continuously think you like this movie? I don't know. Like, I go, like, six years, and I'm like, oh, yeah, face-off. That, that might be fun. And then I watch it, and I'm like, oh, face-off, right. <laughs> In my defense, I didn't think I was going to like it this time, but mm. I just wanted to get it. I've been waiting for it to be free somewhere, and right. now it's free somewhere. Right. Free for Frank. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't show up as a Prime movie. So it's through something I subscribe to on Prime. But it doesn't tell me. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't tell me. And it must be new because it wasn't free for me like a month ago. Right. So, you know, it's not free for me that's really disappointing, and I'm just waiting is the fucking. Nicolas Cage Left Behind movie. Like, I really mm. want to watch that movie, and I don't want to pay $5 for it. So, wasn't that just it was on Tubi recently? Was it? Yeah, Fuck. I gotta look on Tubi. I always forget about it. I actually TV. think it might be honestly, and I think the only reason I might know that is because I had seen it, but then I looked at what was leaving Tubi, <clears throat> like that category, and I, I think it might have been on there like recently. <laughs> So it might not even be on Tubi anymore, but it was at one point. Why do you think Tubi is called Tubi? Do you think it's like Tubi or not Tubi? But you obviously want Tubi. Mm. Is that the question? Or is it like... I never considered it. The the I version of like the boob tube or whatever. Like they call like TV just have tubes. So this is Tubi because it's like the modern version of your television. Because you still get commercials and stuff. I'm sure this answer can't be out there. Um, oh, did I know that Fox owned that? Okay. Fox owned Mm-hmm. It's probably something insidious thing. Mm-hmm. Tubi just expanded this year to um, 
Guatemala. Mexico. Um, How close? In a partnership with TV Azteca. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't talk about the name of this whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I have no idea. Well, I don't know. Anyway, don't watch Face Off. I guess. Um, it's an over-the-top, ridiculous Nick Cage performance, and it's okay. So it is, and then it's not because, like, Nicholas Cage is amazing in this movie for the first twenty minutes until he goes into a coma, and not amazing in like a good way, but amazing in like a hilarious way. Like it's like completely overacted, and then when he swaps faces and Nicolas Cage is all of a sudden playing the John Travolta character he's the most bland boring morose droopy eyed motherfucker ever like he loses all charisma and then John Travolta who has no charisma in the first 20 minutes becomes like super engaging when he's a complete perverted possible incestually motivated I don't know I mean he just wants to F everybody like it's not even like he's actually really respectful about it too which is weird like he doesn't want to like rape anyone or like force himself like he wants to charm them and then he wants to sleep with them and then he wants to be a good guy and take over the FBI so he can get rid of all of his criminal rivals and I don't know move on from there Yes, yeah, so, so what's your scores? Uh, cage performance. It's, I mean, I'm going to use the slash like face off does. So this is a, you know, pre. Anyway, it's like an eight out of 10 on the cage scale for the first portion. And then like a four out of 10 for the second portion. The second portion is much longer. But then it's got the John Travolta going, wee, what a predicament thing, which is, oh my God, there's so many bad lines in this movie. It's just the worst dialogue. And I think part of that too is maybe John Woo doesn't understand, maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's that Hollywood just throws money at these directors that have like this indie cred or they have some kind of like cool factor to them, but they give them these scripts that maybe they don't understand the nuance of. Because like if you were given a script in Spanish, you know what I mean? Like, I can read Spanish, but maybe I don't understand the nuance of all the words in Spanish. So I'm like, yeah, like, I get the gist of this. This sounds good. But then I don't get the fact that I'm listening to something ridiculous. So anyway, that's it. Movie's like a five out of ten, I guess. It's like a two and a half star movie. Maybe a two star movie. I don't know. It's not very good. I just emailed Tubi um, to ask him. Uh, how their name developed. <clears throat> well, hopefully you get an answer. Yeah, we'll see. Um, they tend to respond to dumb shit like that, I notice, like places. Like, when when it's like a question of, like, genuine curiosity. Do you um, know my one, do you know my celebrity email response story? Have I ever told you this story? I don't think so. Um, you might have. The first episode of Family Guy ever. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was like in the first season, but when Fox was canceling it, mm-hmm. Dewey in an episode says some email address and it's like Stewie something, something at whatever. 
Okay. So I emailed it, and in my email I said, Dear Stewie, my pooper hurts. And that was it. And he responded, Dear Frank, rub some paprika on that pooper. It'll get better. And it was Seth MacFarlane that, like, you know, responded. Right. That's crazy. So, like, 100 years ago, I have an email to me from, like, on the rope, Seth MacFarlane that was just trying to save his show that's now gone on to be on the air with its spinoffs. Right. Million years. And I've never seen an episode since probably, like, 1999. And it's become fairly accomplished um, overall, like, as, like, more dramatic actor and stuff like that. I mean, I signed a petition for him. That was the thing. Like, he had a link that you could click and you signed a petition. Right. To keep Family Guy on the air. And it worked. I mean, they renewed it. So, like, after it was canceled, they brought it back. I forgot to bring this up on the main pocket. Well, I didn't forget. I, I wanted more details before I brought it up. But did you hear um, about um, uh, Thomas Jefferson Bird? Um, he played... Um, Oh, what was the character's name? Uh, it's slipping my mind now. Um, in Clockers, he was uh, Errol Barnes. Errol Barnes. Do you remember the the his uh, Delroy Lindo's like cracked out like friend yeah. mentor? Yeah. And he was in. He's been in a bunch of Spike Lee movies um, through the years and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I know that. I, I I love that guy. Like um, he's he's great. Like in those like small roles that he has and everything. He was um, uh, shot to death um at seventy years old this past weekend, um, in a murder that they don't really seem to have any clue on like how that came about. Um, but yeah, he um, but yeah, I mean, there's gonna be no other chance ever to talk about like uh that guy but um yeah the same we time like about that, Spike Lee again, just gotta but, but um he's on get on he's in get on the bus too um which another like brilliant performance of his um where he plays a father who um hasn't been like with his son for like 20 years or something like that I mean like 16 years he left like when he was a baby um and is trying to like reestablish like a connection with him and um, but the son at this point has already like been put on like like an angle bracelet or something like that. But he was given per- he's given permission by the judge to like um, handcuff himself to the child. And as long as they go to the ideas like they're part of the bus trip across country to go to the march, um, Million Man March. Uh, so it's one of the many subplots on Get on the Bus, but um, another like really great like uh, powerful performance from him. And he's um what the pimp and he got game, right? Um same mm-hmm. actor. Right, right, yep. Um, but yeah, he um and he's very accomplished stage actor as well. But he he everything that I've ever seen him in, which mostly is Spike Lee movies, um he was always um excellent. And yeah, it's a shame. Um That's really crazy. Yeah. Man, so he I guess he would have been in his late forties then, because what's he got game, twenty three years ago? <laughs> 22 uh, 90, 99 so 21 yeah so late 40s so he's 49 at that point yeah yeah uh, that's a, that's a shame yeah a lot of um a lot of crazy deaths in this world recently so yeah yeah but yeah no crazy I, I world, a lot of smells right 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 
All right, so that gives us 1997, I think, completely, and gives us the like uh, trifecta of like cage action movies of that time period, I suppose. Um, from those we, like, couple we, years. Consider in Con Air the third one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Con, Con Air face off and The Rock, or like those three in a row that kind of like solidify him as action. Snake stars. Eyes, baby. I think Snake Eyes, that, that's, that's, he's already jumped the shark by that point, I think, by Snake Eyes, right? Like, it's like, it's proven that he's, like, not really an action star. Like, so isn't that the thing, is, like, Snake Eyes kind of proves he's not the action star, but people still think he is. And then, like, there's this little blip in National Treasure where, like, okay, maybe, and then, like, it just goes away because the movie's just fun enough that you ignore the fact that he's not an action star. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, He's like a poor man's Indiana Jones in National Treasure. Right. He's not like necessarily like a super fit whatever. He's just the smart guy that leads expeditions. Right. And gets in crazy situations. I like those movies. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. Did you see all the shit that got pushed back into 2021 and 2022? Yeah. I'm going to fucking burn Hollywood to the ground. I swear to God. I'm so mad. I mean, I think I think Hollywood. You don't need to. I think you're going to be burning empty lots at this point because I mean, it's it's bad. Like I mean, like if they're if they're if they're deciding to push it back, then that means that they feel they need those big returns in order to survive, and they're thinking they're pushing back these things for long term gain to try to just survive in the meantime. So it's like some of these things it's like i think it's very possible like you're burning down like you know three offices at this point as opposed to like you know five blocks of a town probably in size of a corporation good <laughs> they need to release their goddamn movies on video on demand for like ten dollars <laughs> right right i mean hey that's a different business model right i mean you got really it for two- one night because I have my business model all worked out in my head. So right. Well, this is a different business model. Ten dollars is much cheaper. Um, see, I've always been convinced of this, right? So it's like, and we we've had this conversation, but it's been about something different. It's about pay per view. So it's like, you know, in in terms of the context of wrestling pay per views, and I think you we agree with each other. But it's like my idea always was that like, okay, if you're going to try to charge fifty dollars for something, and you know, let's say you know, 300,000 people buy it for $50. It's like, if you reduced it to don't, why are you just always going to stick with that price point? Couldn't you possibly get more people to buy it if you dropped it to, let's say 30? And then suddenly you have 30 people or five, you know, half a million at $30. Right. You know, and it's like, at some point, obviously it's not worth it anymore. Like, but you have to kind of figure out your price point. I don't see them at all like and you and the COVID's quick. Like this all happened quick. I get it, but at the same time, it's like, shouldn't you be trying to figure out and adjust your price points on different, the quality movies of different quality? And you need to start adjusting your price points. So it's like, hey, maybe this like thing that like would have made fifteen million dollars probably in the box office. Maybe we don't need to charge twenty for that. Maybe we need to charge like, like. Eight ninety nine, and that's the best we can do in this case. And maybe well, more people will. Trolls. Right. That trolls movie made a hundred million dollars on fucking on demand. Sure. And yeah. who wants to see that shit? 
Right. Can you imagine what like Despicable Me would make if you charge twenty dollars for it? Right. Shit. <laughs> you think it probably would gross like one hundred and fifty million? Right. I don't know. You're just, just angry because you want to see these movies. I want to see Dune. I want to see the Green Knight. I want to see fucking Did Sister Mar. Pushback. Man, it got pushed back for like six months already. Goddamn antlers. Antlers got pushed from like last April to next February. Like, fuck that. And that's some, like, you don't even know what that is, probably. That's just some bullshit. Not bullshit because it looks really good, but it's just some, like. Are you saying I don't know what it is? Oh, do you? Yeah, we saw we saw a trailer in front of something pre COVID. Yeah, it was like that. Um, but it's just a little horror movie, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. put it out for 10 bucks or $12. Whatever. I'll pay $12 to watch that shit. I'd pay $30 to watch Dune right now. Right. With Regal closed in all of its theaters, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I mean, that's 500 locations across the country. And now what fills that void? Like, I don't want to go to Cinemark. You know, our Cinemark's garbage. Like, I don't want to go mm-hmm. sit in that theater. I want to go sit at Regal and watch movies. Right. And now I can't because uh, see, it just makes me angry. Or and you know what? I don't even. I I care about that. You're the I one love. that brought it up. You act like it's my fault. <laughs> I'm mad at myself. Okay. I like seeing movies in the theater, but I also just want to see movies. Like I want to see new stuff. I want things to come out. Right. I don't know. It just drives me nuts. You can. Well, fuck you. I want to do it. <laughs> Eventually, somebody's going to break down and release. The problem is, like, I, I, do you know how much money Mulan made on, when it got released on um, Disney Plus? Uh, apparently, not as much as uh, they expected. I don't think right. anybody really cared about seeing that movie, though. Like, number one, you're going to the well too many times with that re- remake live action shit of. The no, Disney. They're going to try to do that for the rest of the time. Um, 66, $66.3 million as of right now. You know what the problem with those movies are? Is, is it, that they don't, they don't have a disaster. songs. There's no songs. Like, right. That's one of the charms of those animated movies is the score. Mm-hmm. Like, is Frozen as popular a movie if Let It Go isn't like a, a, like a, a pop radio hit? You know what I mean? Right. I'm only thinking about this because I was singing Little Mermaid tonight when I was driving home. And I started wondering if the Little Mermaid remake that comes out someday is going to have the music in it. And Frankie and I were talking about it, and he said no. Yeah, I don't think it will. Um, You know what? Then who cares about the Little Mermaid? It's not that great of a story without the songs. Yeah. The Mulan also, like, um, this is where it kills me with... um, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious from the podcast that, like, certainly, I like I lean to the left. You're a little bit more diplomatic about things sometimes, but um, uh, but at the same time, this is what kills me at the at the left media a lot of times is like when I was reading about the Mulan, like in a couple different articles, like in about like the box office disaster behind it, um. Like, they're like, yeah, obviously people don't want to pay, but also there's so much backlash over, like, you know, filming in certain, like, in the province or whatever of China that, like, has the slavery issues and stuff like that that are going on. Um, 
because that got exposed like around the time that Mulan was getting ready to be released. And there right. was a lot of there was a lot of backlash, and and that certainly probably hurt the movie as well. And it's like, you know what? Like, sure, I get it. Do you know how many people? Do you do you really think that caused people to not fucking buy that movie? No, I think people didn't want to buy it, and it gives them a reason to say they didn't buy it because of this reason, not right. just because like, right? I don't care That's about the live action Mulan movie. Sure. I hate the fact they keep saying Mulan like a cow. It's Mulan, like not Mulan, Frank Mulan. Idiot. Right. Sound like some Cecil County hick, which is what I guess. <laughs> I guess I am. Um. There's plenty yeah. of horror movies that I would pay ten dollars to watch. Right. And you can look at like the Netflix trending. People that'll just watch anything, you know, that goes on there for free. Like, if you get two million people to pay like five dollars to watch a movie, like I, no, two million is probably excessive. But you know, yeah, mm. no, maybe not. I don't uh, know. Yeah, I guess maybe it's not that excessive. But stuff people want to watch, you know, like I don't know, like um, Antebellum. Do you know about that movie? I do. So it's on video on demand now, and it's twenty bucks. And I've thought about it a couple times because I saw a trailer for it pre-COVID, and I thought, or like right around the beginning of COVID, and I thought, oh, that movie looks alright. But I don't know if I can pay twenty dollars. Let me tell you something: if Antebellum was ten dollars, I would have already watched it. Right. Just based on the fact that, like, if the Green Knight came out, dude, I'd pay fucking twenty dollars to watch that movie. You know, I mean, you know, Antebellum's getting like destroyed, right, and reused, like. Yeah, I don't trust that shit. Hmm. I don't ever trust a review of a horror movie because I've been led astray so many times by hmm. people who are reviewing the movie from the wrong perspective or with an agenda for reviewing that movie. Sure. Like, no offense to him, but Ari Aster and um, uh, Robert Eggers, like, they can get away with stuff because they're just making really art house horror you know for an art house crowd you know what i mean right. so it's easy to like give their movies a good review and look i like their movies a lot but i'm just saying like they're not really taking risks but this movie that's about like and maybe it's really done crass maybe it's not good but a movie about somebody who's slipping back and forth between like you know slavery and the modern age or whatever which i think is what it's about like being unstuck in time or something yeah, that's what it seems like to me. Um, yeah, I heard that, like, basically, like, um, yeah, my ba basically what I heard is that, like, the uh, the subtext, like, the message just is kind of, like, mangled, and it, like, ends up hurting the movie overall, like, when the... So, apparently, Frankie rented it when he was at his aunt and uncle's, and he said it's terrible. So, <laughs> I'm defending a movie for nothing, I guess. Okay, right. That movie probably is terrible. But again, to my point... You know what I heard might be good, though? What? face-off. No. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you in six years when I get tricked when I trick myself into watching it again. It's like that to like you know put a bow on this with the fucking Arrested Development quote. It's like oh that never works, but maybe this time. time. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's kind of like um getting COVID and then taking your mask off after. Right. So. <laughs> 
Um, okay. Um, so that's it for this week. Um, I wanted to say I never promised you a rose garden joke, but I couldn't think of how to bring it up. <laughs> All right. That's it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back with another Nick Cage movie that we will barely talk about next week. We're, gonna uh, have, the, we're doing that first watch this week, though. That's pretty exciting. We are, yes. We're going to be doing a first watch of Child, 1988 Child's Play. Um, Chromo. So yeah. 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 There you go. All I right. don't know what the Nick Cage movie next week's going to be, so it'll be a good surprise, maybe. Good. Maybe it will not be Captain Crowley's mandolin, and it will not be a score to settle. That's I yeah. can guarantee. Okay. All right. Goodbye. So, have a good night.